0: Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, today we are going to have a solo show. But before we get into it, and continuing to talk about the e-course that we put together, the Quest for Purpose, which is actually based on my book that is now converted into a journal. Uh, just a reminder. Just thank you again for listening. If you uh, like what we're doing, please uh, pass it on, share it, leave a positive comment wherever you are listening uh, and where you're you know, getting and consuming this information if you know of some great guests that can add value to secrets of success then we appreciate that the other one is if you have any comments or items or suggestions or thoughts we're very keen to hear from you so i've been doing a series on the quest for purpose and, you know we finished building out this e-course and so if you have interest in really taking your life to the next level that is something that's available on crgleader.com. Look at the online courses and then I take you step by step through some of the things that we're talking about here as an introduction in this podcast. Now this is part number three uh, as we continue through the quest for purpose. Now, if you didn't get to part one and two, go back into the archives in whatever uh, platform you're on and it will be there. Now today, We want to spend some time around this whole concept of purpose and mindset. You know, if I know my direction in life, if I know what I'm supposed to be doing, if I know what I'm passionate about and I don't have the right mindset or I'm pessimistic, then what benefit is that going to be? So we're just going to take some time today in the show to talk about it. And by the way, I need this mindset podcast, as much as anybody, especially in, you know, some of the conditions we find ourselves in the world these days is mindset is never has it been more important for us to get our head around how we're thinking. And we all have a responsibility no matter what. And this is kind of the, the challenge for all of us is that no matter what you always choose how you respond. You always choose what you're going to be thinking. And so our mindset is a choice. And here's the reality, and I've talked about this before with Carolyn Lee's work and Bruce's work around this concept of epigenetics, is that our thoughts are constantly influencing your brain. In fact, in our Dying to Live course, we talk about how your thought processes actually affects your DNA and your immune system. So if you think you're sick and you think you're going to get cancer, guess what? You're probably going to get cancer. That is way out there, I know. But the reality is is that how we're constantly thinking is affecting us. And here's the other side, is negative mindsets, worry, fear, is toxic to our bodies. Now here's the other side, to the positive. If epigenetics is true, meaning our thoughts control and influence us, it goes to both sides of the ledger. So this other side called neuroplasticity, our ability to grow our mind, our brain, um, our systems to really have our body respond positively, our systems to have show more confidence, is that it goes both ways. If I'm low in self-worth, I can also be high in self-worth because this becomes a choice. So in one of the following shows, we'll get into the deep uh, sort of process of what is it that really makes my life purpose? But one of the reasons that I included this chapter in the book is so many times people have a pretty good idea or a sense of what direction they're going. But because of fear, they don't make the direction or they don't make the choice, pardon me, to move forward with a new opportunity. They worry what other people think. They're concerned about, you know, what if it's the wrong decision? And so fear is not your friend. This other side of fear or this other component or verb of fear is worrier's. Have you met these individuals that no matter what, they're always worrying about everything? And we know the stats on that. 90, 95, 98% of what you worry about will never happen. The other thing around mindset is that you are not going to realize your purpose if you're lazy, if you're a bully, if you are weak. And then, you know, when we say slothful versus lazy, it's just, you know what? You got to step it up is individuals who have achieved things in their life have ambition. Now, I'm not telling you what that ambition should be directed towards, but ambition is foundational to us being uh, successful, and that is a mindset. Now, one of the things that had happened is I had a chance to uh, read the book and also connect with the author of Learned Optimism, Dr. Martin Sigelman. And Martin was kind enough to give me permission to include his research on pessimism and optimism and how that affects us in our lives. So I'll come into his work here in a minute, but before we go it, first of all, fear is not your friend. You know, fear freezes you from taking action, it hinders your process, or progress, pardon me, and it actually reduces your effectiveness. I mentioned earlier, Fear is toxic to your body and your brain. It changes the molecular structure of your bottoms. It reduces your immunity, your your confidence levels. And for the most part, fear is self-induced. You know, if you're listening to the news every night, there's no way you're not going to have fear because look at the input that you're getting or social media or the trolls that are out there. And so we need to be able to protect ourselves and make sure that the input that's coming into our space and into our life is positive. You could have a really negative friend uh, or a family member. Well, then we need to guard ourselves and protect ourselves from those individuals because they're just going to suck the energy out of you. The other thing that was interesting is that, you know, one of the individuals in the marketplace that I uh, really appreciate his work is Brendan Bouchard in, in his book, Motivation Manifesto, he really talked about that fear was you being self-centered and it was about ego. You know, I'm afraid, I'm worried, uh, I will not live up to somebody else's expectations. It's all about I. So his comment, and I agree with it, is that fear is actually egocentric and we want to, fear is running you and you want to let go of it and your ego is in charge. Now, Here's the comment, it's either fear or it's freedom. You can't have both. I many, many years ago uh, read the book Man's Search for Meaning with Viktor Frankl. And so he is the one who was in World War II intern camps. He says, even there in those just terrible, terrible uh, environments where people are being killed on a daily basis, is you even there you had a choice. And he said it was interesting. Even the people there that gave up were the ones that seemed to be sent to the gas chambers and those that still had some hope had a choice were the ones who survived and he was one of them. And so if anybody could speak to it, he would. The other one is, is that you know, when you think about worry, worry is this, is this insidious form of fear i've told this story before but i just want to uh, sort of retell it here uh, many years ago uh, my kids when they were in high school they're very fortunate to be in a high school where they had a drag racing team not in, in the province of british columbia there's several high schools that had in, in the school that my kids went to they had a drag racing team but they also had a drag racing car so this car was a very very fast eight second car that was dialed back and in high school racing in the province of British Columbia, you can't go below 12 seconds. So a 12 second quarter mile, which is still pretty fast. You're going over hundred miles an hour at the end of the track. My son who is one year older than my uh, daughter was one of the two people selected for his year, his grade 12 year. And then my daughter the next year. So that was pretty cool that both of them got two slots out of four that were available to be on the team driving the number one car so it was interesting i had a staff member who had a 16 or 17 year old son and she said i would never when i told her the story that my kids are doing these uh drag racing um, cars and they're doing 100 120 miles an hour at the end of the track because you want to be able to push through the quarter mile and not raise your foot off of it so you're still going to be accelerating through that time frame is she said i'd never let my 16 year old son do that and one of the reasons was she was fearful about what would happen to her son. So what does that mean if she brought that to bear on her son around all things that had, quote-unquote, some kind of risk? Now, yes, our kids, something could happen, but what would? It, why would I hinder these experiences for our kid? They, kids? They had safety, they had helmets, they were wearing all those um, protective clothing, there were safety checks with the drivers and with all the people at the track. Uh, so the reality is, is that if I based it on fear, then I would hinder them from them having these life experiences. So my encouragement is you're not going to be one of those individuals that is bringing this worry in uh, this insidious type of fear to your life. Be free of that. Yes. Take, um, responsibility for safety those i mean we've done bungee jumping i've done uh skydiving and somebody said well you could die in that yes that's true but you probably are more likely to die in a car accident than a skydiving accident and then a lot of times is people have these worry statements they they slip in the conversations beside you around you or maybe maybe you're using these worry these worry statements you know be careful you never know what could happen you know, why would you let your kids ride motorcycle? They're so dangerous. You know, why would you quit your job to start your own business? Um, you don't try that. You never know what could happen. What if something goes wrong? What will you do? I mean, these are all worry, fear-based statements that you want to avoid. The other side that comes into it that we were talking about earlier is people that are sort of the lazy or weak is uh, in the Western culture the good enough disease. Well, that's good enough. So, this commitment or this embracing of being mediocre um, you know, you worked hard, you know, you can quit now, take the rest of the day off. Now, I'm not saying about being obsessed or being a workaholic or any of those things, is that excellence really does, excellence does require commitment, requires discipline, requires going above the average. And this is not a burden. This is an enjoyment. I mean, there's some days that I don't necessarily like doing, let's say, a podcast because maybe I didn't get enough sleep or something else happened. But once I get into it, then it just flows as we're doing today. So other comments like, oh, you're just a dreamer. That will never happen. You really have to guard yourself around it. Now, I want to spend some time around this whole concept of optimism and pessimism probably you know a solid 20 minutes in the show today and and for you to really pay attention to your language and what martin what uh, and i encourage you to get the book learned optimism or it's a chapter in my book used with permission from martin and so you can read the chapter in the quest for purpose as well is that your response to his assessment around your optimistic and pessimism levels does have predictive coefficients, meaning that your optimistic level does contribute to and is equal to or is related to your success levels. And if you're highly pessimistic, then your success level is going to be much lower. So let's just talk about the difference between optimism and pessimism and how this shows up is that optimistic individuals, there's like three concepts, actually four concepts that are in it. This permanent versus temporary, specific versus universal, uh, personal, which is internal versus external, and this whole concept of hope. So give an example, is that a pessimistic individual, let's say something negative happens, and they say, I'm all washed up. You know, uh, so they... What they do, or uh, you know, I'm, I never have enough energy. I'm, I'm I'm always tired. So rather than being specific to the moment, the pessimistic person is making whatever is occurring to them permanent. Where the optimistic person says um, they they have one they call a temporary a temporary sort of application. In other words, a pessimist might say the boss is a jerk, or there are no good bosses. Versus the optimistic person is the boss is in a bad mood today. So that's specific. And it's also temporary because it's not projecting it into the rest of their lives. Now, the interesting thing that happens with, with po- pessimism and optimism is pessimists even discount their success. So if a pessimist has a successful sale, let's say, well, I don't know why Ken buy, uh, got, bought from me unlucky. Versus an optimist will say, you know, Ken bought for me because I worked hard and, you know, my, in my life, I have the success that follows and I'm talented in this space because I've done the work and discipline and developed my skills. And so they're also making their success permanent as optimistic individuals. The other thing about pessimists is that they have this sort of universal application. So let's say I don't get a sale. And so I, I, for whatever reason, said, you know what, Uh, not only is my career suck, my personal life, I don't have, you know, any friends, my family doesn't like me, uh, my health in disrepair. So what they do is they take this failure and then they deploy it through all of their life. So on the other side is that if I don't get a sale and I'm optimistic, I contain it or specify is that, you know, I realized Ken didn't want to buy from me. I did the best that I job. It's obviously, it's his choice about that item or he wants to go with somebody else. So I contain, but I make that failure specific to that person, not to generalize into the rest of my uh, life. So the other one is, is that when a positive thing happens, is an optimistic individual then as i mentioned earlier not only do they project it into other areas of their life they also own that success so you know i i worked hard to get it so you are being specific that when you have something that's of success to you and you've been successful the optimistic person owns that success and then they transfer it, um, you know, universally throughout their life, but the pessimist actually discounts their success. So I'm that lucky on the sale. I don't know why they bought, but the rest of my life is still, you know, in a mess. So I might've sold you, but if I'm pessimistic, I actually discount it and I don't apply that success to other parts of my life. The, the other thing around, you know, this positive and negative is that pessimists, if I had a negative item, they, again, they make it universal to the rest of their life. If I have a a positive item, I, I discount that and I don't pass it on. On the flip side, the optimistic individual, they make it universal to their life. If they have success, they discount it if it's a failure. And everybody says, well, that's just a play on words. Exactly. Exactly, because optimistic individuals, this is proven over the twenty five year study that Dr. Singelman did. Now, the other one that comes into play is this whole concept now, uh, for a person who was diagnosed with manic depressive depression you know thirty five years ago and then found it was hypoglycemia, is that your words matter. And so this idea of hope or hopelessness is where people get into depression because they don't believe that they can get out on the other side. So there's no hope for me. I'm never going to get a good job. You know, I'm stupid. Um, I'll never get a date. Nobody will want to go out with me. That kind of thing. Where the hopeful side is that uh, I might not feel be feeling 100% right now, but I know I'm pretty sharp. Uh, that person didn't want to date me, but other people will. So again, the hopeful side is to make sure that you are thinking about what is possible for you. And that's also true for all the people around you. If you are a parent, one of the things that happens with teenagers, they get bullied. And a lot of times they start kind of uh, using the information that's sent to them, the bullying, and they take that personally. And there's a lot of peer pressure as we're growing up. And even as an adult, there is. And so Martin actually was asked by the Girl Scouts, of the US that create happiness clubs and the reason they did it is that they, you can teach people uh, a cognitive or what he calls cognitive process to watch your language to make sure was that language pessimistic? Was it optimistic? And he was teaching 12 and 13 and 14 year old girls to have a optimistic language. So the question that you have that I have for you is what is your mindset? What would other people say about you? Would they say you're pessimistic or optimistic? And now I have to watch my words because words actually manifest themselves in your life. It's, I know it's strange. It seems like in some cases, you know, people don't believe in the law of attraction, but the reality is is that we do put energy out into the marketplace, into our space, And if you are down, you're going to drag it down. I remember when I had, uh, my role was as a sales professional. And we used to ask the question, when's the best time to sell something? And do you know that the answer is right after you've sold something. Now, your skills haven't improved, the environment hasn't changed, but your personal confidence, your self-worth, you've just got the success. And so now your ability to articulate, to communicate, how you're going to come across is going to be, much more confident and you're going to have uh, more success with it as a result of that. So my questions to you again, what is your mindset? What would others say? Would they say you're pessimistic or optimistic? What do you let, or do you let fear run your life? Are you a person that worries? Do you worry about things that never happen? What is the mindset of your core friends and family that are around you? So would you say that your family is optimistic or pessimistic, your friends optimistic or pessimistic? And so my challenge to you today is what are you willing to update or change so that your mindset can go to the next level? What are some of the possibilities there to think about creating an environment that will be better for your mind? set. And so when we think about quest and we think about purpose, and I don't want to make this a long show today is, so we're going to wrap this up here shortly is that mindset is foundational to our success in life. So regardless, if we have clarity and I have clarity, I I know that my purpose in life is help others to live, lead, and work on purpose and to help you to realize your potential with all the work that we're doing and whatever format and whatever part of your life that we're talking about, but if I don't manage my mindset and I have those days where I don't manage it as well as I would like, then I need to adjust that. I need this teaching. We all need to think about how, what comes out of our mouth. And so I need to be held to account to that. I am thankful that you're listening to this show so that you can think about you know, what, what is coming out of your mouth. What are you thinking? Are you thinking positive or optimistic? Are you thinking negative or pessimistic? Are you worrying about things? Do you have fear about things? Or are you embracing what is possible? Now, as always, as we started the show. Thank you for listening. We appreciate that. Pass it on. Share it. Let other people know. If you are curious about the Quest for Purpose course, then go to crgleader.com. Go to the online courses, the CRG Academy, and I take you step by step through the Quest for Purpose. That course has four assessments, it comes with the full journal, it has all the different questions that you would potentially need to have clarity in all areas of your life. And if there's somebody you know about that's really struggling with this, then maybe it's an opportunity for you to um, give them this direction towards this, or maybe a gift. That you could gift that to them, so that the majority of us, instead of 80 or 90 percent wondering, you know, uh, what they should do or have no clarity or lack of clarity, then let's switch that around and have more individuals out there being successful. So, thank you for listening to Secrets of Success. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keys.